Welcome to Vibrant Potential. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Frickman. If you got to listen to last week's show, you'll know I called it my favorite show ever. I love my conversations with Sherry Teagman because, to me, we can't help but talk about the things that really matter. Topics like how to find your passion for life if you lost it, why starting with your physical health may be a great place to start, what kind of planet do we want to leave for our kids, and so forth. Not only has Sherry been on my show, but you can check out Sherry interviewing me on her show. When it airs, I promise to put a link on today's show notes page. I got some feedback from listeners last week letting me know that it was their favorite show as well. And since we have such good chemistry, I asked her on the show again. As we were talking about it, Sherry said she'd like to interview me as something a little bit different. So today, Sherry digs around in my head a bit as she attempts to uncover some of the driving forces and philosophies that propel me on my projects, including, but not limited to, this podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to Vibrant Potential. We provide you with everything you need to know to overcome stress, fatigue, and chronic health challenges, as well as optimizing your performance in fitness, relationship, and business. We use integrative health solutions and functional medicine strategies, including brain-based approaches, inspired fitness tips, emotional intelligence coaching, and spiritual growth techniques, so you can live the life you want, connect deeply with others, and fulfill your vibrant potential. Your host is functional medicine expert, genetic biohacker, and triathlon coach, Dr. Chris Frickman. Are we recording? We are. Okay. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope we are at least. <laughs> okay. You never know today. Okay. So today, on today's episode on Chris's show, we are doing a little bit of a pattern interrupt because as a listener of the show, as well as being blessed to have been on a guest, a guest on Chris's show, what I want, what I've learned about Chris underneath what he does on a day-to-day basis or the awesome show that he runs is so much more about Chris that no one else has gotten to see yet. So I decided to challenge myself and Chris to see if we can show the other side of Chris Frickman to understand what drives the person that you're seeing today to be so passionate about what he brings to the world and what he brings to the table and what he wants to continue to build upon. So welcome to your show, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's a pleasure to, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, me. (laughs) It's, it's, this is really exciting. So What I like about being on your show with you is I want to get the backstory of how you got here. So sure, you're very passionate about health and about people's vibrant potential and all that. But who was Chris before he found this? Because everyone goes through incarnations in his life. So take me back in your story to who you were, let's say college years, early 20, regular living. And how did you find the importance of alternative ways of looking at life and health and fitness and all that. Mm, man. Uh, Pressure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know that I have a succinct story per se, uh, but 
when you ask the question that way, the thing that I think of is when I was in, um, oh, let's see here. I, at one point, I, I mean, I graduated high school and I didn't have like a clear path ahead of me. I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't always know that, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut or a doctor or whatever. And um, so I graduated high school and I kind of assumed I would go to college, but I didn't even know for what. And both my parents were, were RNs, were registered nurses, and um, they had actually met in the OR. And so, you know, I was talking to them about it, you know, over, over dinner, and they just said, well, what do you think about going to school to be a nurse? I mean, since you don't have another clear path, uh, they both liked nursing. They had several reasons why. There was, it provides a certain amount of flexibility. Uh, it's, the pay is decent. Um, in nursing, as a man, I would be a minority, which is uh, not as, that ha comes with certain advantages and um, in terms of like getting hired and things like that. And that doesn't, that's not as easy for a man to find that in a, in a professional role, right? So there was a few, for a few reasons. And I just thought, well, okay, why not? Kind of, you know? And so not, not a, you know, not a huge uh, story there exactly. I just kind of like fell into it that. And um, when I was doing it, I, I loved the anatomy and the physiology and, and the muscles and the bones and, and those types of things. I hated the actual nursing classes themselves. And I actually ended up dropping out. There's a reason there are not very many 20-year-old male nurses. Um, it's, it is, it's very hard work to do in, in a way. It's, it's um, sort of like less intellectual, I guess I would call it, than, than, uh, than being a doctor. Mm. But there's a lot of, you still have to be very smart. You have to be, but you have to, I think more than smart, you have to be caring. Yeah. Um, and that's like the biggest thing that for nurses, it's like you, you have to have this huge compassion for people. And uh, I honestly didn't when I was 20. I mean, it was, I did, but there was also this sense of like, oh my gosh, like I just couldn't, it was like I was doing these practicums at a nursing home and it was like, you know, you have to bathe pe old people and stuff that can't, you know, help them go to the bathroom and stuff like that. And it's, uh, it, in one sense, I had some interesting interactions with some, with, with some people and that was great. But the, the thought of like waking up and doing that every day was very unappealing to me. And so I ended up dropping out and just kind of, went about my life and what I was doing at the time was I was a customer service manager at home furniture and it, it suited me at the time. Um, I had, I was having fun and I was, I was on s salary and I was making, you know, enough money that I, f you know, I was comfortable in my young twenties with it. And, you know, I bought, bought my first house and so on and so forth. And then I, 
uh, I got married and had a f had my first kid, and um, I I started to feel like uh, maybe I shouldn't just work at home furniture my whole life. I mean, I just I just started to wonder, you know, not that there's something inherently wrong with that, but I just kind of felt a pull once I had a kid to find my vibrant potential, you know, yeah. just, I mean, I, I wanted to like, what can I give to the world? What can I, it's like, I wanted more of a legacy or something. And, um, at the same time I was, uh, actually while my then wife was pregnant with our first child, I was training for my first marathon, which was kind of a weird whim thing that I had done. Cause I was not a long distance runner, but I decided Oh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna run a marathon, and I just started running a lot, and there was no like real training or anything, and I ended up really hurting my knee very badly, and I ended up going. I didn't know what was wrong. I just knew that it was it hurt excruciatingly, and I I got home from I think it was it was either my first 13 or 15 mile run. I forget which. And my my knee, like the, the muscles in the back of my knee spasmed so badly, I, c I couldn't like use my leg. And my, my wife brought me into the urgent care and they said, essentially, we don't see anything wrong and, you know, nothing was broken or whatever. So they said, well, we can give you some crutches or we can give you pain meds or both, but we recommend you don't run anymore. And that was not fun for me to hear because I had just told them that I wanted to run this marathon. And not only that, but I was like, gosh, how old was I? 23, I think. And it was like, what the heck? Um, I'm too young to not run because my knee is bad. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I mean completely. Even at that age. I mean, like, I'm still this month I turned 39 and I still think I'm way too young not to run because my yeah. knee is bad, you know, but and if you know, it's also when it's your choice is a different story. When someone tells yeah. you, it's like you literally get cut off at the knees part in the pun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's just, I don't know. It, it didn't feel like the right answer for me to, to put it succinctly. And I, I ended up, you know, kind of going into work and hobbling around and stuff. And, and then someone was like, what, uh, like, well, what did your chiropractor you know, tell you or whatever. And I was like, what's a chiropractor? <laughs> and so I ended up going to a chiropractor that I just found, uh, like in the yellow pages or something. Cause I literally had no idea what a chiropractor was. And he got me back on the road. And the thing that was really, um, what's the right word? You the thing that really impressed me about this doc was the fact that he treated me as a human as opposed to a knee. Mm. So when I went to urgent care, I think I saw a PA if my memory serves me correctly, but, but whoever I saw, they treated me as a knee. They didn't care that I wanted to run. Yeah. They just thought, well, it'll be better if you, for this knee if it doesn't run, so don't run. And the chiropractor, on the other hand, was not even a runner, but he listened to me and listened to like that. Oh, this guy has a goal of running this marathon right now. So 
I'm not going to tell him not to run because that would be like going against his primary goal that he just gave me. That would make no sense, right? Like if I'm paying attention to the human and not just the knee. So he, he got me back on the road pretty quickly too, like within, I don't know, within a few weeks or something. And I finished my marathon, which I was happy about. And I crossed the finish line and I, hel I, I have a picture of um, my, my wife gave me like handed over the fence, handed my my oldest daughter to me. She was, I believe, three weeks old, you know, so this little itty-bitty baby. I'm just like a brand-new dad. I finished this marathon, you know. And, I mean, it was – I was crying. I was so emotional. It was funny. <laughs> and um, so – and then I didn't run again for a year and a half after that, by the way. I, <laughs> I finished the finished the marathon. And then but I was that's the point. The point was don't tell me that I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I finished it on my terms. And then that was like I didn't like I had had, had enough of running at that point. Like I, if I never have to run again in my life, like that'll be fine with me. That's kind of what I thought at the time. And, uh, you know, and now I've done four marathons and I've raced elite wave triathlon for, you know, quite a bit. And, um, you know, so I obviously do run again, but b back then it was like, okay, I'm not going to run. So anyway, uh, the, the combinate, it was kind of a, t a two, uh, two pronged thing that happened that at the same time that I was hurt and I was not only helped, uh, I'm going to use the word loosely, but helped medically, but also, you know, by a chiropractor, but also uh, listened to as a human. And so that was, that whole thing all like really impressed me. And, and then at the same time, this happened all at the same time that I was having this sort of, um, I want to say coming to Jesus, but I, that's probably not yeah, the exact Yeah, I was going to say existential moment. In yeah, here. yeah. I mean, um Right. I was just having this whole, you know, process about like, oh, man, like, what am I what do I want to be when I grow up, sort of. And uh, so I ended up going to a career day, they called it, that they, they were hosting at the chiropractic college. And um, I really loved I really loved that day. And I one speaker in particular, I remembered uh, Dr. Joe Sweary. Um, he he really impressed me. And I remember he used the word uh vernacular mm -hmm. and he also used the word colloquially <laughs> mm -hmm. it's a doozy it doesn't even it's not even spelled the way but it's just it's a doozy and i just I, i'm a word nerd i like i i just like fell in love with this guy like and um i, I know that's like such a silly thing to remember but it, it, it's something that sticks in my head and so i just you know long story short it was like done i'm i'm signing up sign me up and so I went through I, I had to do a couple of prerequisites so it wasn't until the following year that I that I started chiropractic school but then I went through chiropractic school and um, along the way I, I, I learned that there were certain things within chiropractic that I thought were great and others that weren't as great and I really liked something called applied kinesiology and I was also in this camp uh, that of people of students that really wanted to kind of look at the body holistically and 
took into consideration things like lifestyle, like um, nutrition, maybe diet, maybe supplements, exercise, sort of physical therapy-like things too. Like, so kind of trying to take this more total body approach as opposed to, you know what, I'm just going to focus on the adjustment. That, that was kind of the other big camp was I'm just going to adjust people and I'm going to trust that everything else will sort itself out sort of. And um, so I just kind of started, you know, through that whole process of school and stuff, I, I really kind of came to who who I was going to be professionally sort of. And of course, it's continued to evolve. And well, what's great about this industry, I mean, all industries in general, but when you learn you can't, when you, ex actually, I think when you experience for yourself and then learn from that place, you can't undo what you learn. You can't forget it. So, you know, specialists and the more traditional medicine and all that won't make sense to someone who, for the first time, saw someone as a whole piece or realizes the holistic aspect and all the factors that come into play in someone's overall health and mental state and all that. So you can't unknow that. So if anything, and you're a learner by nature and curious by nature, you're only going to want more knowledge. So what I love is it's really driven is besides you being a curious person and wanting to know more, you experienced it, and I and I love that you talk about. I'm glad you told that story about your running because if you didn't, I was going to remind you <laughs> that that was a tipping point for you, because it it stayed with you. You remembered being told you can't by somebody who didn't know you, didn't know what you were like before, and was deciding for you what was going to be you moving forward. And look, in our twenties, we all think we're invincible, so it's a real blow mentally to experience that. And so many people have moments like that in their life where they don't get to go to the equivalent of the chiropractor or the someone else who has another answer and they take at face value what they're told and it sets them on course to live their life both physically and emotionally with someone else's beliefs running the show. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I think that's such a big piece of what you do. And we've talked even as friends about, we were right before we got on the call about me addressing the things because, you know, I'm a great example of I've gone out and changed my life and done things that I want to do, but there's stuff that I carry with me because it's just stuff I haven't dealt with where when I say them to you, it's like, Sherry, that's not, you don't have to carry that. You don't have to be sore after you exercise. Your stomach doesn't have to hurt after you eat. Like, so in modern society, we're so accustomed to just accepting it as fact. And not only that, putting doctors and the medical field on a pedestal of they know I don't disempowering ourselves to figure out other avenues mm. or other opinions and we don't realize how much it boxes us in and I think that's such a driver for you vibrant potential those words are not only if you are between ages this and this and you know this much body fat that's not what you're saying everyone has the ability to find that higher potential within themselves, within their physical body, within their emotional body, within their soul, within their lifestyle, within their happiness factor, their fulfillment radar, all those things. You didn't define what it needs to look like. No, I, I didn't, I did not define it for everyone. Uh, and I, I, even for myself, my own personal vibrant potential, it continues to unfold. I mean, it's not a, it's not a, 
a, a certain place to reach. It's a it's a continual growth and development. And but I think that that's one of the things that I do think. I mean, as I I guess I get to define it because I'm the one that, you know, that coined the term. And but and it's your show. I and it's my show. <laughs> but it's certainly it has to be different for everyone. It's everybody's vibrant potential is, is their own vibrant potential. Uh, someone may want to, you know, start the next uh, Google or something like that. And like they, they have this driving, deep driving desire to bring whatever technology to to the marketplace and the world and stuff like that. Another, another person, you know, it might just be, uh, it might be a nonprofit where they're helping, where they're helping, you know, impoverished youth or something. I mean, it could be anything, right? It, and, and it could be, it could be more of, you know, an individual soul searching kind of a thing where it's like, it's, it's not even about helping others. It's more about, about, you know, your own personal journey or, or maybe it's an athlete that wants to do their best, or maybe it's a, maybe it's a, you know, a mom or a dad that wants to connect with their kids and, and do certain things for their kids. It could be anything, Sherry, but the one of the common things that I think of when I think of vibrant potential is not th there, there's 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 some balance for me that the there's an implied amount of balance in someone's life. So it doesn't mean that everything is equal. It doesn't mean that like family is equal with finances is equal with personal f uh, fitness you know like and and all the different like areas or categories we could ch we could kind of chisel out in a person's life it doesn't ma mean that they're all equal but it means that they're all sort of paid attention to yes. so you're deciding how much you're putting into that category as opposed to it just happening for you and then like you know, all of a sudden your daughter is in college and oops, I forgot to know who my daughter is or yeah. something. Another thing that I, this is one of my favorite things about you and I love lots about you, but you, even as someone who trains athletes, you meet someone, whoever they are, where they are. It's not about, and we've talked about this about the retreats that you do as well. It's not, this is the end result period. It's where are you? What's the baggage you come with? What's standing in your way? What do you believe is stopping you? And systematically moving those things physically out of the way as well as emotionally out of the way. You know, you can have five people come to you to want to train harder, use their body differently in doing a triathlon for all different kinds of reasons. There's some people who are running away from their life and they actually hurt themselves because they're pushing so hard to physically escape while there really is emotional stuff, they're not running with ease. There's someone else who is so driven by what everyone else thinks and the com competitive aspect that they'll hurt themselves, not even realizing that they're not prioritizing their own way. And there you, we can go on and on about that, but I think it's so representative of how you show up for your patients and just for anyone who comes in your way, you listen, you listen in between what they say, you listen underneath what they say, because you've been there. We've all had highs and lows. We've all been different version of ourselves and you haven't forgotten who you are or how you got there or the why underneath it, why it drives you to keep going. 
anyone can get complacent and stay like, cool, I'm in good shape. I ran, I'm good. My kids are good. Like, that's it. That's not who you are, not who I am either. I think that's why we get along so well. It's like, okay, what's next? What's my next summit? What's my next peak? What's around the corner? What else can I learn that I didn't before? How can I connect different dots? And I think you help people see that in themselves by saying, the sky's the limit, not because there's a sky, but because you don't have a limit. You can explore any, you're capable of trying anything. It may not work for you the way you thought it would, but just by being brave enough to explore things, it gives you a stronger courage muscle to lean into the things that do work for you. And that's kind of what I love. It's not, okay, you have this, you're out. It doesn't work like that. And I think sadly, it's a rare thing for people to offer someone else a full ear like that. Or I do have solutions to a lot of the problems you think may not have any solution. Or you've been told by traditional doctors or you had surgery on something so you you assume that body part is not usable anymore. All those things, you know, from a physical aspect, but it's really a window in to the emotional aspect because we all get locked in our physical places emotionally when trauma happens or when you're told you are something that you don't have to be. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just I told you there. I see you. Uh, Oh, I had a thought in there that I wanted to share too, but I now I've now I I let it slip out. Um, have you ever? This is just a this is a silly aside, but since we're talking about yours truly, um, I I I love like thinking of like these older movies that I've seen. Usually they're older ones. Do, have you ever seen? Uh, I believe it was called Office Space, not. Not The Office, not the show The Office, but there was a movie called Office Space. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And oh, I remember. It was with that guy. I know. I remember the, the movie. The main, funny. The main yes. guy, is his name is Ron Livingston, I'm pretty yes. sure. Um, yes. And he, his dream is he wants to do nothing, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and, and he hates his job and so on and so forth. And his neighbor, his neighbors, I, I think his neighbor one day goes, oh, well, what? well, what do you want to do? You know, like if, if you had a million dollars, what would you do? And he's like, I tell you what I do, nothing. And his neighbor looks at him. He's like, uh, dude, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing. (laughs) He goes, look at my cousin. He's broke. You don't do shit. (laughs) Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Uh, I don't know. I just, I, for some reason I thought of that movie when you were, as you were kind of talking there and cause you were talking about, um, talking about somebody's baggage and he goes, his girlfriend decides that he's kind of this whole thought process about him wanting to do nothing is messed up. And he, he, his girlfriend sets him up with a, a hypnotherapist of some type and says, you know, let's go to this hypnotherapist. He'll help you, you know, break out of this funk that you're in. And, and he, he goes there and he's like, okay, tell me about yourself. And he says, well, every day is worse. And he's like, what? He's like, that's right. Every day of my life is, is worse than the prior day. And so that means any day that you've met me, that means that you're meeting me on the worst day of my life. And, and the hypnotherapist goes, whoa, that's messed up, dude. 
need a bigger couch for that one. <laughs> oh man i just thought it was so good that he like he uh he brought something that like kind of stumped the hip he floored him yeah <laughs> that one i haven't heard before yet. yeah anyways that's totally off you know that's that's just me being silly thinking no, all but it's, it's actually very indicative of who you are because it really is about perspective so while it's a funny story you don't see limitations as things that stop you you see limitations as clues to a puzzle and i and that's what i i like that about your brain you're solution oriented, but from a place of curiosity and knowledge, like how can I figure this out in a way that hasn't been turned yet? Like mm. the ultimate Rubik's cube. I used to just peel the stickers off. You probably sat and figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> I've never completed a Rubik's cube. A uh, little trivia for anybody that cares. <laughs> find it fascinating. Those things, people that would take the time, God bless them. I think so, in, it's an interesting thing, though, that I was, you know, I started thinking about it as you as I was telling my quote unquote story about being in school and kind of going down the path and, and discovering about myself that I really enjoyed looking at, at health and the body from many, 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 many uh, different uh, avenues and not just you know that I know quite a few chiropractors, as you might imagine. I know quite a few of them that that are sort of of the mentality that it's like, hey, if they're coming to me, if, I'm not saying diet or nutrition. I'm not saying they're not important. I'm just saying I'm a chiropractor. I adjust next. That's what yes. I do. You know, so especially old school. I used to have a chiropractor like that. Yeah, yeah. This it, little clicking tools. Not that he didn't make me feel better, but. There's well, so that's what I was going to say. I mean, they can be very, very good adjusters. I mean, they're probably better than I am at adjusting because that's all they do and they do yep. it well. And and so I I just wanted to say I don't fault anyone for that. It's that's that's a that's a certain style and uh, that may fit very well for some people's goals. It's just not what I do. And I am, like you said, a learner at heart. And the flip side of that for me is that I'm a teacher as well. I, I love teaching. I love when other people teach me and I love teaching other people. And I don't know, that all wraps up with the whole vibrant potential thing for me. Like, it's like, I want to help people sort of like in all areas of their life. I mean, I don't want to pretend that I'm, I don't want to pretend I'm a financial planner. I am not, but the things that I, that I do, that I work with, with your brain and your mind and your body can absolutely help you with your financial health at the same time. So there's... Because it comes down to mindset work. It's really changing the trajectory of your life in every way. Just like, I mean, when I did my yoga training topic that came up all the time is how you do one thing is how, you know, how you are on, on your mat is the way you're off your mat. If you're yeah, yeah. tentative about trying something new, you most likely are like that in life. Like we all, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So it doesn't matter what you start with, but for you, you start with the physicality and the beliefs behind the physicality. Oh, I, and you hear people, especially in their physical bodies, say these kind of things more than emotionally because it's just more socially accepted. Like, oh, I have a bum knee. I can't run. Well, what's with your knee? Oh, I don't know. I've had it since I'm 20. I don't, I never got it checked out. You know, it's like you mm. wouldn't walk around with a bag that's not yours your whole life and not realize that. But we do that with physical stuff. So you're starting with the physical to help people get an awareness about how they face life. I know. I remembered what I was going to say earlier. You, I was, I was on Facebook before we hopped on Skype here and 
someone had asked, uh, oh man, let me think if I can get this right. So basically, like she was having this limiting belief, like, like why am I even doing this or something? Like, wh like whatever it is that, that you're doing, like if, if you're an entrepreneur, why am I doing this business? And, you know, why am I, or maybe if you're an athlete, why am I training to, you know, compete in this event or whatever? And then she was saying, like, so it's important to have a why. And what's your why, basically? That, so it was like a conversation starter for people. I don't know if my answer, it's, I, f I think it's either super profound or not profound at all. I can't decide <laughs> which, but it's, I mean, I just really thought like, almost like, what do you mean? You know, like the, the question almost doesn't sort of compute w for me because I just, I'm alive. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to keep being, in other words, why am I doing this? Well, what's the alternative? Like, I could just like give up and go get a job at the DMV or something and and I think you are my personality are driven by nature to always be searching and learning regardless so we would be the old retired people who are learning basket weaving because we would never sit and drool <laughs> at a window even if we can't move our hands it's just the way we're wired so if this was, let's say you won the lottery tomorrow and never had to work another day in your life, you would never do nothing. You would start some non-for-profit. You would go, that's your why. Your why is living. I think your exactly. why is that, living your that, life. That's my point is, is like, yeah. well, what do you mean why? Like, how could, what else is there, you know? And th this is a, this will be fun to just talk this out because I have a tendency to sometimes be kind of black and white. And, and although on one hand I do say, Hey, everybody's got their own vibrant potential and it, they can all be different. It doesn't really compute to me that someone maybe doesn't have vibrant potential, like, like, or the, like they couldn't have it. Like, so I, what I'm saying here is, is, um, Hmm. You're saying that I'm a learner and you're a learner and and we're going to always be like that. Well, I'm pretty sure that all humans start out that way. I mean, mm -hmm. we ha we have to be. I mean, yeah. you can't look be, at any little kid. You can't be an infant. <laughs> I mean, yes. yeah, you can't. You're not going to make it if you're not curious. I mean, you're yes. they're walking around. They're like, mm, I wonder what that penny tastes like. like yes. I mean, <laughs> You know, the, I mean, everything goes in their mouth, goes under their fingers. Like, I mean, you know, they're just curious. They're curiosity incarnate. They're just on and on and on. And that continues for quite a while. Well, why? I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's just that way. Well, why? You know, I mean, there, there's like a curiosity. Yeah, and it's par with a three-year-old. You'll yeah. be well reminded that this is the way our brains work. Well, yes. why? Yeah. And I, I have this sense and I, I don't have research to back this up per se. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to like quote a, some kind of religious text or something here. I, it's just like my own personal thought about it, that if someone thinks that they're not a learner at heart, I don't know, isn't that person like kind of just halfway dead? 
Yeah, and I, and I think, and we've talked about this before, um, I think people, just like with a physical ailment, take emotional uh, stunted areas as just, it's what happens when you grow up, it's part of being an adult, that's for kids, that's naive, that's silly, I'm not wasting my time on that, I have bills to pay, as opposed to realizing that their passion and creativity is really what fuels everything. So you can march along with sheep for a while and it will work, but at a certain point you're either gonna burn out, you're gonna get so bored, or are you going to turn to something to numb the pain of not feeling like yourself? And I mean, I don't mean to be dramatic, but it's true. Whether it doesn't have to be a destructive addiction, but complacency is pretty brutal way to live. Do you know who Brian Johnson is? Yes, I do. I I like his work. Um, I think it's I think it's called. Well, I'm not really sure. I think it might be called the optimizer. Yes. He, he's got is. a, he's got a podcast and, but he, his, I think his main kind of thing is this like, uh, subscription thing you can pay 10 bucks a month for. And that's what I, I'm not positive if that's called the optimizer or if just his podcast is called the, Opt I'm not really sure. Yeah. And it's like a whole school of different courses from people. Yeah. And, and it's mm -hmm. got this, I mean, it's actually, it's so worth the $10. I mean, yeah. He, he, it's such it's such a great resource. I mean, he's got not certainly not every book, but he's got a lot of great books in there. And and what he does is he he does like six, he does a six page PDF. I think I might have the number wrong, but I believe it's a six page PDF on every on each of these books. And it's like I think he pulls out, I think it's ten points or maybe it's six points or something. I can't remember, but he he pulls out what he thinks are the top points. And, and then he discusses them and he says and he says why he thinks they're important. But I mean, he really does a good job of, I mean, he's certainly a human and he, he adds his take to it, but he does a great job of pulling out what I think, I think he does a great job of pulling out what he thinks the author is, is trying to convey, not just what he thinks, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Um, and so I love his stuff. and. This morning, again, I got an email from him, and I don't read these every single time, but I continue to get them because a lot, I do like reading them. Uh, so I'm just going to read this really quick. Quitting versus stopping. And this is, a, this is just a short excerpt from the book Art and Fear by David Bales and Ted Orland. And, and it says this, virtually all artists encounter such moments. Fear that your next work will fail is a normal, recurring, and generally healthy part of art making cycle. And I'm just going to pause. There's a little bit more that I want to read, but I'm going to pause and just in interject this from myself that as I'm reading this, keep in mind that although you may not identify with being an artist, like maybe your painter, maybe painting or sculpture is not your medium. We are all artists. We are all creative beings. And whatever your art is, yes. this is what this is talking about. So keep that in mind. This applies to you. And I know it applies to you because if you're listening to Vibrant Potential, you're going after something. I mean, you're, I just, you wouldn't be listening to this show if, yes. if you were Agreed. one of the people that was 
you know, not a learner, not curious, not d not in tune with the fact that, yeah, you know what, maybe I am creative. At least you're that far. Yes. So this is the rest of it. It happens all the time. You focus on some new idea in your work. You try it out, run with it for a while, reach a point of diminishing returns, and eventually decide it's not worth pursuing farther. Writers mm. even have a phrase for it. The pen has run dry. But all media have their equivalents. In the normal artistic cycle, this just tells you that you've come full circle, back to that point where you need to begin cultivating the next new idea. But in artistic death, it marks the last thing that happens. You play out an idea, it stops working, you put the brush down, and 30 years later, you confide to someone over coffee that, well, yes, you had wanted to paint when you were much younger. Quitting is fundamentally different from stopping. The latter happens all the time. Quitting happens once. Quitting means not starting again. And art is all about starting again. And again, I would interject that you could put whatever you are passionate about in here instead of art. Like they're saying art and and. I, uh, when I hear art, I, the first thing I think of is painting and sculptures and maybe music or something. But like art is whatever you're passionately pursuing. And so the woman on Facebook that was like saying like, what's your why? And me not like me almost not knowing how to respond to that. It was, it's just sort of like, well, unless I quit, being alive is the why. I'm just doing what I'm passionate about. I agree with you and you know I'm the same, but I think it's because we've done the preliminary work of deciding that passion matters, deciding that being in a joyful state matters, that happiness is not something as a bonus that's a side dish to life, but it's a driver of life. Well, okay, Other people then, then help, help don't me out because, you know, allow themselves that. They don't allow, well, what, what are they doing then? They are in the pain of their past. They're on someone else's track. They are assuming that it's about achievement as opposed to fulfillment. Um, a lot of people live life. They're shooting on themselves, <laughs> our favorite, making us t-shirts. They're just, you know, trying to hit, they're living life as a pinball machine, you know, just trying to hit as many points as they run through without feeling anything. A lot of people are either spinning too slowly to feel something or spinning too fast to feel something because it's just safer that way instead of unpacking the bags and figuring out what's going on with them, which doesn't have to be as painful as it sounds at all. I mean, here, I let's me, talk that's... about, think back to your, we, we don't need to get personal, but think of a very low point in your life whether emotionally, in relationships, in business, whatever. Think to your pool of energy in that point. It usually goes to survival as opposed to dreaming bigger, creating, becoming something. You're just literally trying to get through the days, correct? Hmm. I, hold on. Let me think about that for a second. <laughs> this is what I love about I you. I mean, not for me. And right. I mean, go ahead and challenge me on this. I, I mean, maybe I'm just not seeing it, but I, I am very lucky, first of all, that I mostly am not 
too concerned with survival, actual survival. I mean, I, and I know that there, I, I'm being dead serious. I know I'm lucky in that. I, I have wonderful clients. I have, I mean, if, if I, if I had no clients, I have a wonderful family and, and I, I have wonderful friends and I, I have about a thousand places I could go crash before I would have to like sleep under a bridge. You know what I mean? Like I, for me in my life, and I know this is not ubiquitous to the human experience, but for my life, I am not really very concerned with survival. And that makes it easier for me to say, well, what about joy and and things like that? Like, so, so I get that, um, you know, maybe if I was more concerned with survival, that would be a bigger deal. Now, I also want to say that for people that, you know, that don't know me uh, intimately, I'm saying that survival is not my, the thing that's a driver for me every morning, but you can know that I have relationship challenges. I have financial challenges. I have health challenges. I, I have all of those challenges. It's not that I'm, it's not that I don't have those things. When I get upset, whether I'm scared or, or if I go to a place of anger or, or whatever, it's usually, it's, I get that there may be some primordial fear of survival and stuff, but so that, that could be in there too. uh, And I want to recognize that, but, but I also have this sense that you told me to think of a time, uh, Mm -hmm. a low point. And when I think of my low points and what drives me, I don't get scared. I'm going to die. I get scared that I'm going to be alive and not living. And, Mm -hmm. And that's, that is scary to me. Now, would dying be scary too? Yes, but it's just not a reality. I know that if I lose my house, I can, you know, go stay with a, a ton of different family or friends. Like I'm not really going to die. Okay, so let's take you and then take someone else who doesn't have that perspective. Can we agree that okay, so first circumstances gonna, gonna... all be equal? I'm going to clarify something. Now, okay. are we talking about someone that doesn't have that uh, viewpoint? Do you mean like um, someone in tribal Africa who oh. no, is- Very good clarification. Regular world, same resources as you, same capabilities as you. Okay, because that's, this is an this is another interesting point, and maybe a tangent, but another interesting point that there there are a ton of of uh, stories. I don't know if research is the right word, but there's a ton of of uh, anecdotes and stories, and 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 I think some research around the the idea that people that are in that survival mode every day. And that's like all they're doing. They're not like, oh, where should I hang the pi- this picture? Or, you know, like they're not concerned with decorating and with what kind of car they're not driving. They don't even have a car. They're just like, okay, I'm just like literally just surviving every day. Yes. But, but there's still a lot of happiness and joy that can happen 
of in course. that surviving. So it's oh not... god, some of those people are much happier when you go. They always see, read these yeah. articles. Children in Africa who know nothing are so filled with joy because they're not burdened with modern society. So right. you're right. I mean, let's go three houses down from you. Yeah. Someone who equal par, but has a different outlook. Everything's yeah. a problem. They search for drama. Everything's always happening to me. My back hurts. Everyone hates me. My job sucks. It's a. Cho- I'm not saying it's a choice, meaning they choose that. But just like walking around with a bum knee, not realizing you can do something about it, people don't take the time to realize how they're actually living before wanting to change it. Yeah, I tell. I say all the time to people, that's just a story. Like you're telling yes. yourself a story right now. And uh, I don't remember the first place I heard this. Um, it might have been my mom. I'm not, I'm not sure. But um, someone somewhere I heard, hey, you're going to tell yourself stories since you're going to tell you since you're human, since you're going to make up stories about what's going on, since you're going to color reality, you might as well make the stories stories that serve you. Perfectly said. And. I was just listening to a woman who does this amazing mindset work and she pegged it perfectly. You don't have to believe every story that you tell as much as you can believe it, you can disbelieve it. So you can use it for fodder to change what's going on. It's not that it's not true. It's just true from how you're listening to it. You can take, Mm. take it and change it. And so many of us don't know that we have permission to do that. It's like, well, who? It, it holds this reverence over us, like it's truth dropped down from the sky until it changes to something else. And then that's truth dropped down to the sky, not to minimize anyone's pain or experience. It's just humans are crazy. So we, we need to understand the placement of this stuff and what value it can hold and what jail it can keep us in if we decide that it's truth never changing truth but if you don't know that it's a story you precisely and you think it's reality correct like you just said it's like uh, i think you said jail you don't get that that's a story and even no. oh man even if you get the idea that like oh we're we're actually coloring this reality right now and this is just a story like sometimes you can get that and then like but you'll still be grabbed by certain stories that you have Correct. and you Correct. won't realize that that's a story. You'll be like, you know, the yeah. And each story comes with a whole tree of branches that builds to the next story based upon where the roots are. So look, we also focus what we focus on grows. So if you decide the story's true, you're going to find supporting evidence for that story. It's right. not going to sway you. You're just going to add more pages to the story, more chapters to the story, because it's all going to fall into that category. It's just the way it is, good or bad, that it, it's non-judgmental in that way. It's just your reticular, reticular activating system in your head will always find more to convince you of what you decided is true. That's just science. That's not mindset. It's not woo-woo. That's just fact. Yeah, yep, That that is established fact. Are you familiar with A Course in Miracles? I am. I, I know you're Jewish, and yes. um, I was I was raised essentially 
mostly Catholic slash Christian and stuff like that. So I, I that's kind of like my background. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Course of Miracles is, I think they it would call itself like a mystical Christian. Yes. Um, I can't think of like the right words, but. Um, it's, it is loosely based on Christianity. Uh, you know, it's talking from the voice of Jesus most of the time. You want to laugh? The person Uh, who wrote it is Jewish. So (laughs) is she really? Yeah. It's all stems from the same place. So I think I actually, and I could be wrong on this, but this is what I've kind of deduced from looking at it is it's reverence comes from it feeling like a biblical text, which gives it credence for people to have really leaned into it and learned it as a teaching as opposed to just like an overall philosophy, which is beautiful because, I, you know, religion is the opiate of uh, opium of, of society. So the masses. Yeah, people like to belong to something. So if they can belong to something like this, jump in there. I'll wear the T-shirt. I don't care what the source is. You yeah. know, if it, if it gives people peace and wholeness and answers and a guidance, ancient religions, if they're not taught in a modern way to help people cope, can sometimes keep people more locked in as opposed to feel feeling like they're supported and held. And that's coming from someone who grew up in a, ancient religion it's just perspective so a lot of times people don't have the ability to bring it with them to today into today's pain to find a place so of course the miracles seems to have brought that to a lot of people i think that uh yeah i mean i think you and i agree on that it's i think that there are a lot of answers that can be found in uh many of the most prolific traditional religions yes for me personally, it's harder to find good answers in Christianity than it is from looking in the Course of Miracles. Um, out of all of like the kind of big ones, Christianity, Islam, uh-huh. you know, all all of the sort of big ones, I Buddhism is the one that I I guess enjoy the most. Um, the, in a Course of Miracles, the first the, there's uh, there's 365 lessons in it and. The first lesson is, this goes back to the stories thing. That's where this came from. Uh The first lesson is nothing in this room means anything. Uh And that sort of sounds like the first time you hear it, it can kind of be like, what are you, like, what are you talking about? You know, (laughs) what the heck does, what do you mean it doesn't mean anything? And the second lesson which I think shed some light on the first one. The second lesson is whatever meaning an item has, you are giving it. Oh, completely. And I think the the first one is almost like a let's clear the table and start fresh. Because if we yep. take our old stories with us, no one's going to be speaking the same language. So let's start with all's equal and means everything or nothing, depending on what you decide. <laughs> you know, that's like a right. blanket statement. Like, let's start there. And that's truth. That's exactly what we're saying is it's just a story. So... You're right. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give a a real world example. uh, And and I'm making this example up, but this is the type of thing that, that I believe it's talking about. And this is what, this is what I mean when I talk about stories. So in this story, I'm married and I wake up and my wife is gone and there is no coffee warm for me. 
I know that she had to go to work or something like that. And she was up before me and she's gone. There's no coffee in the kitchen warm for me. What does that mean? Mad at me. It means nothing. I mean, the the correct answer is it means nothing. But it means you're making your own coffee this morning. Yeah, it means you're making your own coffee if you want some. But so. But in this story, one potential way that I could color this one meaning that I could give the lack of coffee is, oh, my God, my wife doesn't love me anymore. Yeah, because she always makes she always leaves me coffee. And and I like that she leaves me coffee. What the fuck? She knows that I Mm -hmm. like it when she makes me coffee and she just blatantly left and didn't make me coffee. And then it goes back to last night when she said something or looked at me the wrong way. So that's yeah, it why could, she woke it, up this thing. Yeah, it could be anything. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We are so good at coming up with yeah, stories, yeah. right? Yeah. So good. And almost always that kind of story doesn't it, – it's, it's like you said. It's a survival-based like mechanism. It's our ego going, hold on a second. What possible bad is happening here? Yes. Because, Where is the lion attacking me? Yeah. Yeah. And, and talking about Buddhism again, I, I believe they call it the monkey mind. They sure do. And, and it's just like this it's, but it's, I think of it as the ego. Um, but it's, but it's just this, like, it's this reflex that we have to be like, always look for the bad. Look because we don't want to get like killed. We don't want to get eaten by the tiger. We, we don't want to get left ca- caught unaware. We, we want to make sure that we're one step ahead of this game. And if my wife doesn't love me anymore, I need to know that now or something. You know, it's, a, it's like to survive, I'm going to make up these stories because – and they're always these – they're almost always these not serving stories because – they're stories that are like, they're, tr- they're trying to protect us. Uh, a friend of mine, his name is Matthew Ferry. He calls it the drunk monkey. And, and what he says is, and for me, this works really, really well. He says, don't stop trying to make stories. Uh, again, I'm paraphrasing here. So Matthew, sorry if I'm saying this wrong. <laughs> sorry, but, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. But you he, can re you can have a rebuttal whenever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, he but but to paraphrase, he's told me he's like, look, don't try to stop having stories. You're gonna have stories, right? But just just tell the. So you've got this. He calls it the drunk monkey, right? You've got this voice in your mind that's like saying like she doesn't love you, she doesn't love you, or or whatever whatever the current story is, and don't try to get the the drunk monkey don't try to get that voice to shut up don't try to get to get it to go away it's not going to happen it's you know it's it's going to be there just say instead thank it because its job is to help you survive now you're not in a place i just i just admitted that 10 15 minutes ago i i'm not in a place where i'm really truly worried about survival so just just be like, hey, thanks, drunk monkey. Thanks for your thanks. Drunk th- monkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's another beer. Go to the back seat of the car. You <laughs> yeah, are yeah, not yeah. driving. Yeah, There's you're no not drunk driving here. Exactly. You're not driving. Good one, Sherry. Like, just like that's literally it. Just 
thank it for doing its job. Thank you for trying to help me survive. Uh, I will take that into account. And actually, I'm just going to go ahead and make my own coffee. That's what I'm going to choose to do. I'm going to respond instead of react. And I'm going to create my own reality and find joy and purpose in my life as opposed to just trying to survive and making up these stories that actually put an emotional wall in between me and every other human that I care about. Yes, and creating problems when there are none. But it's, you know, I was, uh, I don't know if you've heard of, I'm sure you've heard of her, Liz Gilbert, the one who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Oh, I've never heard her referred to as Liz, but yes. Oh, I'm, Elizabeth. I'm... We're, we're friends in my mind. We're <laughs> best friends. So I'm a first name, nickname basis. Nice, nice. <laughs> See, delusion's awesome when you use it for your benefit. Um, now, now, did you hang out with her in, in Rome or in I Bali actually hung or... out with her in Jersey City, <laughs> New Jersey, a few weeks ago when I went to her book signing. So she and I are besties in my head nice nice um and so she wrote this new book called big magic and it's all about tapping into your creativity and coping with the fear and i'm going to paraphrase so liz if you have an issue i'm totally gonna mess this up but i'm gonna give you the overall she was talking either on that at that day or i heard her on a podcast talking about how people say well aren't you afraid and she gets frustrated with people who say like of course i'm afraid i'm human it's not it doesn't go away because i had a best selling book and a movie that you know made millions it's not that it's i can't just like you just said i can't get rid of the fear so we have a conversation you're allowed in the car with me or the bus whatever she said you are allowed uh, a voice when you're called on you are never to drive and you are never to voice your opinion without permission. So we're reframing and putting boundaries around our relationship. I will respect you. I will take your point of view into consideration, but you need to be wait, wait. You have to wait for your turn to be called on because we can't get anywhere if you're always screaming so loudly. So it's like that middle child who's flipping out in the car because someone took their cookie. It's you can have a turn when your fit is over and it's, you know, you, just like you said, you can't make it go away. And the more you push something, the more it's going to grip. You have to honor these pieces of you. They're there for a reason. They're not trying to, it's riding the wave. It's like, this is who I am. I can't change into another being completely, which many people do. Like I'm going on a self-development mission and they start drinking green juice and they start meditating every morning and that's not their thing. And so it works for a little while and then they feel even worse about themselves because now they don't know who they were and they don't know who they are now. So it's about finding what works for you and understanding the fear comes with it. You just redefine your relationship to it. Learning what's a story and not a story. Learning that stories are not glued in. It's just a perspective of what I have right now. And that mindset person that I was listening talks about using transitional statements. So like when you're trying to convince yourself out of a fear place, you can say, even though I'm afraid right now, I know something else is possible. So instead of, you know, dropping mantras that don't mean anything, like I am abundance in the world. And I know for me as a jaded New Yorker, that, <laughs> that'll piss me, me off more. It reminds me of the old, I don't know if you like this, but... Uh, the old movie, What About Bob with Bill Murray. Exactly. And, and he walks around and he says, he's rubbing his temples with his fingers exactly. and he says, I feel good. I feel great. Exactly. I feel like wonderful. Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night Live, you know, those. Doggone like, it. People still, like me. <laughs> exactly. So look, we're human. It takes us a while. 
you can't just jump into it and then not feel bad when they don't work. Not only do they not work, but you're snorting to yourself, laugh, mocking them. That's not going to help you. But transition in baby steps towards, I don't have to feel this afraid all the time. Even though I feel this right now, what if I could believe something else and slowly walk yourself out of it? Because I think you by nature do that. And it's how you've seen you are not going to be homeless tomorrow. You do you would have a plan of action if that were the case, but some people get so locked into what they decided the story means that it's easier to stay afraid than open up to possibility. So I have a que- I have another question for Chris. Yes. What is your bigger vision for what you do? All the information that you've accumulated, all the knowledge that you have, all the working parts of what you both learn and teach and help clients one-on-one with. What's the bigger vision for bringing this vibrant potential movement to the world? What, what, what would be your dream in five years? One is, I think the biggest one is that I want people to, people that know that they want to pursue their vibrant potential but are not sure how, I want to help them with the how a little bit mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I, I can't make up what their viper potential is we can maybe have a discussion and we can I can try to like start to unearth that for them a, a little bit with them but they have to come up with th- what their viper potential looks like I'm really trying to take everything that I've that I've learned from chiropractic and applied kinesiology and functional medicine and triathlon coaching and functional neurology and, and all the rest and such a slacker yeah <laughs> slacker and um what i'm trying to do is is i want to be like i don't know the health transformation guy or something mm-hmm. for people you know like yeah it, it's like it, and again it's like i have this greater vision of what i even mean when i say health essentially regardless of where someone is yes. i want them to be living their vibrant potential i want them to be living contributing and not contributing because it's expected of them, but contributing because honestly people like to contribute. I think, I think that's universal. People want to contribute when they're, when they're whole, when they're, when they're alive, when they're in their vibrant potential, people want to contribute. I agree. They want to learn. They want to contribute. They want to expand and all that. Yeah, expand. They need to take risks. You know, they like taking risks. They also need some safety and some security. It's it's both. I want people to know that if they want more out of life, there is a way that they can get it. I mean, in that a was sense. My next question. Well it, done. I was going to say, what do you want everyone to know if you could tell them one thing? And, and I'm gonna I'm going to amend that statement too by saying, not only can you get it, but actually spiritually speaking you've already got it it's not yes. like it's not like you have to have help to find it exactly it's, it's not a scavenger hunt no it's not it's it's in you already you know but but when i say you can you can achieve it or you can get it or or whatever what i'm referring to is uh more of like the goal more of the physical goal part of it i guess of like you know if if well i i I want to feel my best every day and I know I feel my best every day when I practice yoga every morning and I can't practice yoga every morning right now because the pain is stopping me. I want people to know that they can, there is a way that there is hope. We can get you out of pain so that you can do yoga so that you can feel your best every day so that your mind does work better because your mind does work better when it's, when it's moving every day, uh, when your body's moving, I should say. Is this stuff making any sense? It makes perfect sense. 
obviously it speaks to me because I believe in your work um, and I believe in you and I think you're so trustworthy to be that person to say here here's my pile of medical papers or here's what I think about myself you know help me undo this I, I really think you show up so fully in that way and it's it's almost a puzzle for you to solve as opposed to ah, you don't fit in a box I'm out and I'm sure you get a lot of that those cases who been told that many times in many ways this didn't work and that didn't work and sometimes it's just connecting pieces that someone didn't realize were connecting or realize something's a clue not just a side note the other thing I'd like to do that I don't know is I don't know that this is as realistic in one of our previous conversations we used the word spark and I I wish that I could spark in people that are not aware that they could be going after their vibrant potential. You and I, I are so the same. I want walk to, around like two pilot lights and light everybody up. Yeah, yes. I want I want people to it's like I want I want them to know that there is more, you know? I mean, yeah. even if there is like I mean cuz if you're just trying to survive honestly, why? Like, I agree. Why are you even trying to survive? I mean, what is the point? If you're not fulfilling your, I don't know, your human birthright or something, it's yeah. like... People need the permission before they can believe it. Well, I'm hereby giving you permission. Exactly. To Me too. In yourself. He's doubly blessed. <laughs> the <laughs> wise you, sages over here. If, are, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've got it all figured out, so we're going <laughs> to... Yeah, I mean, it's not that I have it all figured out, obviously. But what it is, is it's all figure outable is what my point is and your point is. There's always a way, whatever that is. I have a question for you. Yes. Somebody comes to you. Would you say, and this is going to be a blanket question because obviously everybody is different. Start with mind or start with body first? I can't even answer that. I mean, what's, what's the health challenge and what's the health goal? So let's say it's your standard, nothing's officially wrong, nothing's officially right. Just like that lethargic way most people make it through life. They don't have a lot of energy. They eat well sometimes. They exercise when they remember. They feel just blah in their life. Nothing's really working. Like that person we described who lives four houses down from you. Just meh. Uh, Meh is the diagnosis. Okay. Okay. What would you start with? Not because it's right, but the place I would most tend to start with that person would be, I mean, I would take a little bit more of a history too, but mm -hmm. based off of that, I would, I would start with doing a, like a comprehensive metabolic workup. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I would be testing organic acids and, and nutrient status and, you know, blood and saliva and urine. And like, I'd be uh, trying to, I would look to see if there's anything that's that's chemically very limiting. Mm -hmm. For example, if the person has anemia and cannot yeah. adequately oxygenate their brain, you know, is meditation going to help them? Probably. Yeah. But if we can alleviate the chemical slash physical impediment to oxygenating the brain, the meditation is going to work better, if that makes sense. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. it's kind of like if someone has a vitamin C deficiency, before I just start dumping tons of vitamin C in, I want to make sure their gut is working appropriately right. because if right, so it's not if, just leaking straight out. Right? Yeah. Like if their gut, if they're not absorbing it, throwing a bunch of vitamin C at them is not going to do anything except for maybe loosen their stools up a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. like, so that's where I would start. Mm. 
good answer. And the answer is so in line with everything else you do. Find out what's going on, what where they're stuck first before you start piling on solutions. It's not about 15 bottles of supplements if you don't know if their body can even do anything with it. Correct. That's a good answer. I love this conversation. Chris Frickman, what legacy would you like to leave for your children? Holy cat. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep you on your toes. Ah. Uh... I mean, it'd be the same thing I wish for everyone. I, I, I hope that I can help, you know, either through just like by leading by example or through conversations or however I can help. I, I just hope, I wish for them to live their vibrant potential. I just, I mean, that's the, the bare honesty of, of what I wish for people is I honestly wish the same thing for everyone that I wish, you know, for myself, for my, for my daughters. I mean, it's the, it's the whole reason that we're, we're here is to live, to truly live. And, oh man, I mean, you can just, I have been depressed in my life and there's like this, there's this apathy and this like, what's the point? And like a, an alone feeling like, like you're, you're just, alone and I want my daughters I want everyone to be able to know that they're not alone that's an illusion we're all you know we're all here we're with each other we're and everything's okay we're not in danger I mean even even if you're going to die tomorrow and this isn't like I mean you know that my girlfriend Shamini has had breast cancer and and she's although she's you know the tumor's removed and and she's uh theoretically cancer free at the moment it's like there's this continual scare of like yes oh god like you know she's she's chosen fairly holistic sort of natural approach and she's i'm not telling anyone to do this at home that's listening i it's a very personal thing it's very different in every situation for every human but she's chosen not to do chemotherapy or radiation or tamoxifen all of which were recommended to her by her uh oncologist mm -hmm. so there's this scare that she's she feels that's the right thing to do and there's still this like nagging you know i mean the, the her drunk monkey is like holy crap what are you doing you idiot yes. like right. like take the chemo like mm -hmm. you know um but but there take are the chemo and run <laughs> take the chemo and run but there are definite reasons she's choosing not to and blah 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 but and that's a that's a whole different podcast but even if you're gonna die tomorrow there's nothing wrong it's okay we're where you're just living life. That's all we can do. You're here right now. A plane could crash into my house right now, and we and this podcast might not air because the recording is lost. I mean, like, we just don't know what's going to happen. And walking around in the illusion that it's we do know is not serving anybody. So, yeah. Um. Wow, am I good at tangents? I. <laughs> I I mean, as far as a legacy, I don't even know if I know what that means, but as far as like how I'd like to be remembered, it would just be, you know, as someone that loves humanity and wants humans to thrive and grow and expand and contribute and, and just feel alive and feel connected. What I love is that you live it. You're not just saying you don't zip it on and then take it off. You live it in your own life. You live it with 
Shamini's whole situation, both of you are in this field, like this is a choice to live like this. There's a choice to live in fear and there's a choice to live in possibility, even when you're afraid. Like you said, it doesn't mean you never have hard days. It doesn't mean you haven't had periods of depression, but within that, you make the choice to decide your life is more than that, more than the sum of the parts. And you have a bigger vision for how you function every day and what you help others with. Yes. Well done, Chris. Well, thank you. My pleasure. Is there anything else you'd like to tell your audience about why you show up every Tuesday for them? Hmm. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there's not. I mean, I feel like I don't want it to sound like I'm a broken record. I just, no. I mean, I just feel like I just want everyone to be able to, I mean, if, if you don't know that there is a vibrant potential within you that that can be unlocked and and you know sought or gone after or or pursued or whatever i want i want you to know that there is every every human is special and that's important to know that and um and doggone it people like me <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and it's a joke but it's it's not a joke i mean it's it's true it's and true if you don't know that call us and we'll whip you into shape there's always more you know, a nature yeah. of uh, a, a rule of nature is you're either growing or you're dying. Ooh, Which one do you want to be doing? Oh, yes. I want to be growing. Me too. I'm with you. Cheers to growing. Whoever else is on our train, jump on, even if your knee hurts. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I love being a cornball with Sherry. And at the same time, we are really getting to the core of happiness and success. I hope you enjoyed, and even more, I hope you're feeling inspired to fulfill your vibrant potential. If you'd like to have a conversation about reaching your vibrant potential, please visit my website at either drchrisfricklin.com or vibrantpotential.com. There you can enter your name and email and tell me what challenges and goals you have. I promise I'll get back to you personally. And if there's a fit, I may be able to offer you a free one-on-one personalized coaching session where I will give you steps to begin to reach your goals. Together, we can do anything. Visit drchrisfrickman.com for more cutting-edge content, including nutrition and detoxification advice, unique fitness videos, and more.